0: All right. let's turn in our Bibles to Acts chapter 20. Uh, Today our topic is going to be staying driven on our mission. I want to uh, bring our mission in life and our daily agenda back to the proper motivation today with the help of God's Word. I hope that uh, we'll find a great why behind what we do. Someone has once said, you need a great why. You know, a why behind raising kids, a why behind waking up every Monday morning and going to work a why behind uh, maybe that thing you've invested so much time into, uh, what keeps you driven? Uh, Pastor Tony's been talking about this idea of our identity, right? This identity crisis that we have and how we need to fall back into the arms of Jesus, into our gospel identity. The world does not define me. My failures do not define me. Jesus is the only one that truly defines me. He is not only my definition, but Jesus is my motivation, He's my proper motivation. I'm not motivated by guilt. I shouldn't be. I shouldn't be motivated by fear. I shouldn't be motivated by my past. I shouldn't be motivated by my present, any pressures or anything. My great motivation, my great why should be Jesus. Sometimes saying motivated is tough. Sometimes staying driven is hard. Uh, 2020 was one of those years. I know that you guys here in America went through, what, three or four months of lockdown where you were uh, in home quarantine, quarantined at home and learning to stare at the wall all day long, or whatever you were doing, uh, getting bored being at home, not able to go to the movies, not able to go out, uh, not able to go to your favorite restaurants and dine in, all those things, wearing masks, all those things you don't want to hear about anymore, right? We're like, we're done. We're banning that now, Uh, hoping that that never returns as a normal again. The Philippines has been in a a tough spot as a third world developing country. Uh, We have had three different total shutdowns, just like what you had back in like April. Uh, We just are getting out of our third shutdown. And so this Sunday was actually our first Sunday in the Philippines back at church in two months. And so it was awesome though that even though that was the case, we were able to have uh, people in the pews and in the chairs and people came to church even after being locked down for two months. We've been able to continue things over Zoom. Uh, You know, I'm, I'm done with Zoom. I heard this term, Zoom fatigue. Anybody have Zoom fatigue here? You're done. Like, I am done with Zoom. I'm done with Skype. But that's been really the way that our church has stayed connected. And I've been so thankful for that. Uh, technology. But it's been hard to stay uh, motivated. It's been hard to keep the right mindset with ups and downs. And uh, even in our place in the Philippines, 21 and below, we're not allowed to go outside, 65 and above. We're we're housebound as well for the large part of 2020. Imagine keeping your teenager, your college student in your home 24-7 where they can't go out with their friends and can't go to their high school graduation. It's been just very traumatizing, to put it bluntly, for many people. It's been hard to stay motivated to continue forward, and, and with God's help, we can have an underlying motivation that brings us through any trial, any difficulty, no matter what we face, how unknown that may seem. But I want to classify as we begin just a, a few ways that we do stay motivated as Christians, and these may not be the best ways, but as I, as I think about our title today, I love Uh, this idea of driving, right? As a missionary on furlough, we do lots of driving because we're driving from church to church. We're visiting, supporting partners. This afternoon, we fly out to visit some partners out in Nevada, and so on and on, we drive, we travel. Uh, So when I think of drive, I think of car, and I wanted to show you one of my favorite cars in the world is a Tesla. I love Teslas, and uh, how many of you love Tesla? Anybody out there, you love Tesla, you hate Tesla? Yeah, there's a little bit of both, um, anyway, I've driven a Tesla a few years ago. It was a really fun experience. You've got to drive one if you've never driven one. And uh, it was fun, terrifying, all at the same time. It has that regenerative, regenerative braking. I think I said that wrong. But you're basically pushing the brake, but the electric motor's turning off. And it's scary how fast you stop and how fast you can get going. But you just hang on for the ride. Well, Tesla has modernized, right? The technology has uh, leveled up and now... Uh, Tesla is basically self-driving. I remember I was with my brother, Claire, who's down here in the front. We were in California a few years ago as uh, Claire was actually diagnosed with a brain tumor in the Philippines. Uh, He was there serving with us, and he had dedicated his life to the Lord, and uh, God saw fit to allow that trial in his life. And I'll tell you what, I've never seen anybody smile more than Claire did through that kind of a circumstance. I had the opportunity, the privilege to bring him back to America and uh, visit a doctor out in California. Then ultimately he came back here to Ohio to the Cleveland Clinic. And just a praise to God today, two years later, that tumor is in remission. And so praise God for that. And uh, so Claire's down here healthy, serving. And guess what? He wants to go back to the Philippines to serve again. And so that's not holding him back at all. But hey, we were in California driving along and you'll see lots of Teslas out in California, I remember having one blow by us, fly by us on the highway there, and I didn't see the driver. I'm like, what in the world? And here the guy was just leaned back in his seat, hanging onto the wheel, and the car was going. I mean, he wasn't paying attention. I think he even had a book out or something, just letting that car do the driving. Uh, Sad to say, there was a scenario about a month ago that some of you guys might've heard about, uh, where there was uh, two people that were killed in the Tesla car crash, and they think that they were actually both in the back seats. So crazy. Like, he's like, hey, bro, let's check out the car. They both get in the back. And I don't know how they got it to drive, but I think there was a malfunction, and it crashed, and they both died. I think we have a lot of uh, Tesla Christians in our churches today. Tesla Christians around the world. They're even in the Philippines today. And I want to point out that a lot of us live our lives like we're driving a Tesla. Like, hey, push the big touchscreen. Take me where I need to go. God, you've got this. And we take our hands off the wheel. We, we love to sing that song, Jesus, take the wheel, right? Take it. You do what you're going to do, God. I'm just going to sit back and let you be God. And at times in our lives, we need to be still and know that he is God. But there is a, a part of life where we do need to stay motivated. We need to have our hand to the plow, as Jesus talked about, not look back. We need to press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. We need some motivation Our churches in America need some motivation to send missionaries around the world. Guess what, guys? We're getting passed up with sending missionaries by other countries. Even some countries with way less resources are now sending more missionaries than America. It's unbelievable. But we need some motivation. We need motivation to get across the street and around the world, like the song said. And often we just take our hands off the wheel and just say, God, you've got this. It's all you. I'm just going to give this over to God. But sometimes that can be just a good cop-out. Another type of Christian I want to call this morning is not a Tesla Christian, but there's some rice truck Christians. Now, you don't see many rice trucks here in America, but in the Philippines we see a lot of them. Richard has a picture of the rice truck for us here, and uh, we see a lot of these. We don't see them in this predicament, (laughs) this, this situation, but we see a lot of these trucks, and they're loaded down with tons and tons of rice Our church is very familiar with rice because for a lot of the pandemic, when we couldn't have in-person worship, our church was like a storage facility for rice. We had bags and bags and tons and tons of rice. We brought it in these 75-pound bags, and then we uh, redistributed it into smaller bags where we would take it into the community and try to serve people. About 80% of our population had lost their work, and so this rice was essential This was from a few years ago, though. We were uh, building our orphanage over there, working together with some other missionary partners and having a great time. One of our favorite aspects of the orphanage ministry that we were involved in was the hosting of teams who would come and help in that work. So we hosted carpenters, plumbers, uh, people that were just savvy with a little bit of everything. Uh, We had a group of teenagers, was our very first group, when the orphanage property, which is about four acres was just completely jungle-like. I mean, you couldn't see anything. And we gave these teenagers some weed eaters. We had a chainsaw there. I only ran the chainsaw, so just so you parents aren't worried. I ran the chainsaw. We had some machetes and some different cutting tools. And we said, guys, just tackle it. And they just started hacking away. We had a great week of clearing that lot. Uh, These guys came later on to help with our second uh, home there. There's actually two houses and there's another ministry center where there's actually a new church that's begun on the property of the orth- orphanage under the, under the watch and, and pastoring of the Gormley family. Pastor Carl Gormley has been here. You guys also support him here at Fellowship. But this group was uh, helping us out, and uh, we had a little roadblock on the way to the orphanage one morning. I was driving this group, and we were in this little cargo van, um, two-wheel drive thing. Like uh, I think it was a, a very small, like, probably like a two-liter diesel Tiny little, tiny little thing, if you guys know Engines. And so we hit this roadblock, and we were like two minutes from the orphanage. And so I turned around, and I asked some locals, you know, where do we go? And they said, oh, Da'on, that means over there. And that's always scary when they say Da'on, because it's like, where could that be? And they pointed to this little dirt path. And we hit that dirt path, and we went over hill and dale, kind of, through rice paddy after rice paddy. It was an elevated road, literally, with no rails that was rounded on the sides, too, probably from the last guy that fell in. But we were elevated about five feet above the rice fields, which were full of water at the time, and just, like, bouncing around. It took over 25 minutes to get to the orphanage, which should have been a two-minute drive. And when we we were almost back to the main road, we get behind these guys, this rice truck that had gotten stuck because it was actually during rainy season. It was a mess at that time on the roads, and especially off-roading. And they'd gotten stuck, and these guys were being great Americans that we all are. We're going to help, and we're going to, we can do this. You know, that good American spirit. They said, let's get out and help them. We're on a missions trip. Come on, right? You got to help people. And so they said, we can push this out. We got this. We had some big guys in that group, and they gave everything they could. Couldn't get that thing to even budge. And I remember one guy, he was kind of a hillbilly uh, from over in Pennsylvania, and I love him. Great guy. He's been there twice. He said, he said guys, I can get this out. He said, I I drove truck for years, I know what I'm doing, let me behind the wheel. Get that Filipino out of there. Let me have the wheel. And so I'm like, okay, man. And I told him to get out, like, got got this guy in there. And he gave it everything he had. I mean, pedal the metal. He had mud flying, smoke billowing, gears grinding, and nothing happened. Nothing at all. <laughs> Except these guys got mud all over them because he sprayed us all. But anyway. Man, what a a fun time. Well, the Filipinos actually sat there and watched us the entire time. They're like, what are these idiots doing? Uh, Because they're getting paid per day. They don't care. They don't care whether they're all day or not. They're getting paid. They don't care. So we were just being the the gullible Americans. And that rice truck was there later on when we got done with the day's work at the orphanage. And they're still sitting there beside it waiting on whoever was going to pull it out. But uh, what a lesson and what a way that we typically as Christians can also live our lives where we think it all depends on us. I like to call it performance-based Christianity, where it's if you dress right and look right and act right, and if you can perform to this level, then you'll be accepted. And man, what a, what a toxic way to live. What a toxic thing, not only for yourself to be a rice truck Christian, trying to just put all uh, motivation, all pedal to the metal, all effort 1,000% of the time what a dangerous thing for yourself. You're gonna burn out. I mean, you're gonna burn out bad, but you're also gonna affect others. That kind of mindset only does affect others. And I'm here to say that at times in my life, I've been that rice truck Christian. I don't, about, I don't know about you. I've been that guy, pedal to the metal. I've been that guy, all effort forward. And then when you come up empty, you realize that, hey, when I'm working together with God, like 2 Corinthians says, I don't come up empty. Because I have him. And when you come up empty, you realize it was all about you. It was all about your effort. I love what Paul says, workers together with him. Jesus works together with us to accomplish the work. He calls us into his work. I wonder, are you that Tesla Christian? Handing over your situation to God with no effort. Total trust in something else, but no motivation on your own part. Maybe you're that rice truck Christian with all effort that you have, and I would say that both of those are very dangerous. Paul had a great motivation here in Acts chapter 20. I know it took a little bit of runway there, but Acts chapter 20, turn there with me in your Bible, and let's look at these verses here very briefly this morning. I want to point out, first of all, that the Apostle Paul had choices. When it comes to staying driven on our mission, if we look at the mission of the Apostle Paul... He was not forced into it. I just want to put that out there plain and simple. Paul was not forced into serving God. He was not forced into becoming a Christian. It was his choice. Paul had choices. Look at the way he testifies as he's in front of these Ephesian elders in Acts 20. It says later on, they would see his face no more. They would see his face no more. This was a goodbye. This was a farewell. Paul was headed to Jerusalem He says later on, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, in verse 22, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. He was headed on a mission. He was headed into the unknown with a very known God, a great God that would sustain him. And here he testifies about the choices that he had made and the persecutions that he was enduring, even at this moment. Verse 18, And when they were come to him, he said unto them, You know From the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind, with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying of weight of the Jews. Pointing out, first of all, Paul having choices, the first choice Paul made was just a choice for Christ. Paul chose Jesus. You did not come to Christ by force, or I hope you did not. If someone Shove the Bible down your throat, or twisted your arm to get saved and pray a prayer, I would check on your salvation. I would have a conversation with God today about that and be sure that this is something that God drew you into, not someone pulled you into. We don't have a fire escape Christianity. We don't have life insurance Christianity where you just sign up and it's your get to heaven for free ticket. That's not how the Christian life is lived. The Christian life is a day-by-day walk with Jesus as he said, follow me. That was, the, that was the command, right? Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. It's a day-by-day walk with Jesus, in step with him, loving the one who gave his life for us. It begins with probably a prayer for you. It begins with a step of faith. It begins with obedience to the gospel. And so I hope that you have a, a genuine relationship with Jesus, that you're not just here doing a religious duty, because how in vain would, they, would that be? In the Philippines, we would say sayang talaga. Sayang. That's wasted. That's wasted time. It's a waste of time to just play the religious game. That's what the Pharisees did here in the Bible and Jesus condemned them for that. He wants you to walk with him. Paul made a choice for Christ. Paul also chose commitment. We see that in Acts chapter 9 as Paul is boldly proclaiming the gospel in the synagogue. He went back to church. He went back to the place he had received his religious education and he confronted them and the bible says he confounded them his doctrine his his message he was an apologist he he defended the faith he gave witness of jesus christ he told of the resurrection he he chose christ he chose commitment even when they rejected him not only did those jews reject him and try to kill him that happened a lot in the book of acts they not only rejected him as Jews and unbelievers, but when he went to Jerusalem, the Bible says he, he tried, or the Bible says he essayed, an old English word, to join himself to those elders at Jerusalem. Guess what? The Bible says they didn't believe him. They didn't think that he was a disciple. They didn't trust him. They were afraid of him. And so he stayed committed. Some people came along, like Barnabas, who we talked about a few weeks back on a Wednesday. Barnabas, the encourager, came along and said, Hey, this guy is legit. He's the real deal. Uh, He is committed. He's faithful. Accept him. Receive him. And when they did, finally, wow, how it charged up the Apostle Paul and he went forward boldly preaching the gospel in Acts chapter 9. He stayed consistent. Paul chose consistency. In verse 18 of of our chapter today, in chapter 20, I love how he says, Ye know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons. At all seasons. Have you been consistent? Have you stayed committed through all seasons? Paul said that. He was bold enough to say that. He was relying on a deeper motivation than self. He was relying on a deeper motivation than money. I'm sure he was lacking it. He was relying on a deeper motivation than family ties. He probably didn't have much of that. He was relying on a deeper motivation than encouragement. He often lacked that. He was relying on a deeper motivation than safety and how we love that as Americans. Predictability, comfort, he didn't have that. He was being chased down. His life was at stake, but he chose consistency. Ultimately, he chose courage, even as the Jews were lying in wait to kill him, as verse 19 says. What a terrifying job, right? How did he stay driven? Look at the way he sums up his calling in the verses ahead. Look what it says. After verse 18 and verse 19, excuse me, verse 20, after he says the Jews are lying in wait to kill him, he sums it up, continues, And how I kept back nothing... That was profitable unto you, but have showed you and taught you publicly and from house to house. So people are trying to kill me. He kept serving. Unbelievable. Amazing. Testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks. So not just his hometown, not just his people, but everyone, anywhere, everywhere, all races, all nationalities, they all are equal in the sight of God. The gospel needs to go to everybody. Amen? Amen. Amen. And also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And so he was on a mission to get the gospel to all people. And it says in verse 22, And now behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. He said, I go bound. I go committed. I go dedicated to this work at Jerusalem. When I first read this and I studied this out, I, I kind of wrestled with this word bound until I started to read the following verses. I thought, Paul, are you, are you captive? Are you uh, in, a, in a painful experience? Is this, are you wrestling with the will of God? Are you being forced to love and obey God? But that wasn't the case. Look at what verse 24 says, but none of these things move me Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. So somehow being bound, being captive of the will of God was something that was going to produce joy and fulfillment and even happiness. And the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that ye all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. Could you say that? Um, Mom and dad, I may not ever see you again, but I'm going to do the will of God. Um, employees, <laughs> I'm leaving, right? I mean, imagine that kind of thing, or, or coworkers, neighbors, see you later. I'm going to do God's will no matter what it takes, even knowing, like he said in verse 23, save that the Holy Ghost witnesses in every city saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. That means there's, there's things coming that weren't going to be pretty. Uh, there's perilous times. There's troubled times in the future. Paul would be tried at Jerusalem. He would not go to maybe have the evangelistic campaign maybe he thought he would have, but he went to be held captive. He went to be put on trial. He went to ultimately be shipped to Rome where he would go under arrest and then finally be executed, as tradition says, by Emperor Nero. The infamous Nero was the one that killed Christians, and Paul was one of those, we believe. So Paul had become captive by the will of God. I like to sum it up in our point number two. Paul had become a captivated captive. For the joy that was coming. Even as Jesus in Hebrews chapter 12, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. See, there's something wonderful and motivating about the cross, about the love of God, as we love Him because He first loved us. Our motivation is none other than the love of Jesus. Paul was bound in the Spirit because the Spirit had done an incredible work in him. He was not captive in a painful way. You say, how do you know that? Well, let's look at a few other things that Paul said on his journey of writing a large portion of the New Testament. Philippians 3, verse 12, he says, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after. Again, hey, I'm not perfect, but I'm following. I'm going I'm to chase after Jesus. Why? Why? If that, I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. He was simply reaching out to what or to the one who had reached down to him. He was, he was chasing after this great love that had taken him captive. In another verse, he says in Second Corinthians 5.14, speaking of his own testimony, the love of Christ constraineth us, literally meaning to control to compel, to captivate, to master us. What masters you today? What has your affection? And I guarantee you, whatever has your affection, your desires, your love, it will master you. It will captivate you, whether for good or for bad. But the sad thing is, even those good things in life, even those things that uh, may not be so bad they keep us from the best thing in life, which is Jesus. Maybe those good relationships in your family might hold you back from doing the will of God. Uh, even that uh, good in your bank account, that, that money that you could use for good, could become a major stumbling block in your life. Are you obsessed with your bank account? Are you obsessed with your investment portfolio? What has your attention today? It will ultimately master you Paul was a captivated captive captivated by the love of Jesus that had really came in and done such an amazing work in his life there's no better motivation than Jesus there is no motivation but Jesus for the Christian that will ultimately lead to a Christian life that is productive and fruitful Jesus said I am the vine and ye are the branches he followed that up and said for without me what does it say ye can do what is it nothing nothing let that sink in for a minute my ambition it will profit nothing without him my desire how great it will be that old song my desire to be like Jesus my desire no matter how great your efforts like that rice truck Christian no matter how great it is if it is apart from Jesus you're going to come up empty And like we said before, when you come up empty in serving, you'll know that you weren't doing it through his power anyway. And as I've experienced that in my own life, um, and man have I, (laughs) Uh, I went to the mission field uh, full of ambition, full of drive. I was a younger younger man back then, Uh, no gray or white hair, uh, no receding hairline, no hair thinning. Uh, no weight gain, none of that, you know. So I was driven. I had energy. And people wanted me there because I had that. The Filipinos would welcome that energy, right? They wanted that. The missionaries wanted that. They need a young guy, right? A young family to come serve. You know what? I gave every ability, talent, gift that I thought I had and many times came up empty because I was doing it in my own effort. And I realized that even the greatest gifts that um, I thought that I had, the things that I really clung to personally, whatever talents or skills or abilities, God would often take those things away or not make them as effective so he could work out something new and different in me. He could could show me a gift or show me a, a way to serve that only he could do through me way outside my comfort zone. And if you're resting in your ability today, if you're resting in what you have mastered, it's possible that Jesus has not fully mastered you. If you're you're resting in your successes, it's possible you could miss out on serving Jesus to your fullest potential. Paul was bound in the Spirit, not as a prisoner, but by choice. His allegiance and affections were to Jesus alone. David was also a captivated captive. David says in Psalm 27, "...the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell." Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. What is it, David? Tell us. One thing, one thing have I desired of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, to inquire in his temple. David said, wars have come, fears have come. Uh, My life has been in danger, but I still just want one thing. I want one thing. It's like Jesus told uh, to Martha, remember, that, that Mary had chose the better part. One thing is needful, one thing is needful, that's to sit at the feet of Jesus. To be with Christ and to dwell with him, that will be what keeps us driven. That will be what keeps us going as a dad, as a mom, as a boss, as an employee. That will be the thing that would propel us into doing the will of God obediently, willingly, no matter what he tells us to do, no matter what it would be. Paul had been compelled number 3 Paul had been compelled by the Holy Ghost to go and he had listened the gospel begins with go the great commission is a command to go here in the passage in verse 22 even Paul says I go I go bound in the spirit the work had done a the word of God the work of the spirit had done a work in Paul it had motivated him I must submit to the spirit's motivation in me I must rely on those promptings that only He can give. You know, it's not what I decide to do. It's what He prompts me to do. And often the things that He would have me to say are the things that I don't want to do. They're the things that I think I can't do. It's the phone call I don't want to make. It's the, the visit I don't want to make. It's the, um, maybe the job I don't want to take, whatever it may be. It's the thing that I usually think I can't do but it's because he wants to do it through me and through you. He wants to work in and through you. His motivation for you is unique. It is uniquely for you. There's some general calls in the Bible, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel, love your neighbor as yourself. There's some very general commands in the Bible, but the Spirit will speak to you as a Christian specifically. Has it ever happened to you? where you know that he wasn't talking to everybody the way he was talking to you. There was something different you were supposed to do. There there was a ministry you were supposed to get involved in. There was something you were supposed to start. There was someone you were supposed to pray for or pay attention to that no one else was. There was something unique for you. I remember as I struggled with the call of missions and the call to do church planting, and I wrestled why it would be me. I knew there was so many other people much better qualified than me not the son of a pastor, I don't have a lot of fancy degrees, I'm from a small town, and I, how could I ever go to a city? And so God, having a sense of humor, sent me to the most densely populated city in the world, in Metro Manila, where we plant churches in, in an area of millions of people. For uh, every, um, I believe for every square mile in the Philippines, there are 60,000 people. Imagine that density of population. I remember struggling and talking to somebody who just simply told me, Calvin, if God's speaking to you about it, it's probably because that's what he has for you. Uniquely for you. Not for anybody else. There's probably no one else thinking about the unique ministry that you know that maybe God has for you. There's no one else that knows that other person as well as you do. It's your opportunity. It's your duty to speak to them. Would you be bound and compelled For all the right reasons, for all the right things, submitting to the Spirit's motivation. Not only that, but submitting to the Spirit's mission in the world. In verse 23, Paul cites that the Holy Ghost was witnessing ahead of him. The Holy Spirit was going before him, and so you're not going alone. When you feel uh, that spirit pressure to go do what you're supposed to do, he'll meet you there. He's with you there. He'll guide you there. I had a tough phone call the other day with someone Who's struggling one of my friends in the Philippines his his wife has asked him to leave and they're having marriage conflict and man that was not a call that I wanted to make but after I made the call and while I was making the call the spirit met in that conversation and uh, tears were shed and prayers were prayed and um, I think motivation from the word of God was given that that family could make some things right God's working in the world he's working in you Lastly, as Paul gives testimony today, as we wrap this up, Paul had a clear conscience. Let that sink in as we think about the choices that he made, the testimony that he had as he went forward in the Spirit, in the will of God. Paul had a clear conscience and could commend them or commend these people to God. Look at verse 25 as he gives us farewell. He says, And now, behold, I know that ye all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. Wherefore, I take you to record this day. So he says, write this down, make this known, that I am pure from the blood of all men. Paul was saying, I do not have a guilty conscience. I have a a clear conscience. I can commit these people to God. He says in verse 27, for I have not shunned, or I have not stopped, to declare unto you all the counsel of God. That's how he could say that. He says, I haven't stopped. I've been committed. I've been motivated because of Christ and what he's done in me. It's constraining me. It's compelling me. It's mastered me. It's It's the course that I'm on. I want to finish it with joy. I'm pure from the blood of all men. He wasn't being braggadocious. He wasn't being prideful. He was being honest. Because he had not stopped declaring the word of God. He could commend them to God. It says in verse 32, and now, brethren, I commend you to God, to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up, to give you an inheritance among all them that are sanctified. I commend you to God. I I give you over to God because I've done what God asked me to do. Can you say that? Could you do that? Could you you give people over to God with the intent and with the heartbeat that you know you've prayed, you've gone, you've committed in every way to reach them? I would say you probably couldn't say that till you're saying, I'm not gonna see your face anymore. Like Paul saying, I can't do, I'm not gonna be here to do this, but I've done all that I could do. And now I commend you to God. And in our modern-day Christianity and in 2021, We are so quick to give people to God or to commend them to God, having not done our part. We're, again, that Tesla Christian. God, you take them, you deal with them, you'll be God. But we fail to obey the simple command. This isn't just a call to go to the ends of the earth. This is a call to live the Christian life right now. Someone needs to see you living it. You are the only Bible some people will ever read. You're the only life that they will ever live, that they will ever see live for Jesus. Do you have a clear conscience before them? Uh, Would they be able to say about you that you told them, the truth is I can only give someone over to God once I have done my part to tell. I've got to tell. I've got to do my part. Paul commended them to God to his grace which is able to build you up to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified what a beautiful passage of scripture the grace of God greater than all of our sin that can build me up that can empower me that can motivate me it's again that love of Christ it can it can move me on in the Christian life to give me an inheritance to give me a place among all them that are sanctified you know what Paul had no greater opportunity than you. Did you hear me? Paul had no greater opportunity than you. David, as he wrote in Psalms, had no greater opportunity to love God and live for Him than you. Calvin Hauser has no greater opportunity than you. We all have the same Christ. We have the Spirit living in us. We have the same task to go. What motivates you this morning to continue? It could be if you're hitting rock bottom and hitting a brick wall in your Christian life, you've been lacking the proper motivation. It's time to get back to the simplicity of the gospel, the childlike faith that drew you in, that drew you to Christ. It's time to get back to the basics. It's time to get back to loving Christ, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your strength. It's time to not think about what you can do but what he's done for you. It's time to maybe stop performing and acting as a Christian and start just living the Christian life and walking with Jesus. Again, as we've been told about and talking about every Sunday here at Fellowship, is that Jesus sees you in him, right? You have that beautiful, wonderful gospel identity. So today, by application, you can choose. You have choices just like Paul. You can be easily captivated by something or someone. You can be controlled. What you're captivated by would easily control you. You can become covetous, as that's a warning here at the end of this passage. But the beautiful thing, verse 32 tells us, is that grace can change us. Grace can change us. The love of Jesus shed abroad in our hearts and lives as we look to it, as we rest in it, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, looking to him is the secret of anywhere God will lead you in the Christian life. It's a secret of every step he would ask you to take. Maybe that would be to cross the street or go around the world. It might be to go to the next cubicle at work and talk to somebody. It might be to say a prayer for someone in the elevator. It might be to to live the Christian life in a bold way before your family who's become apathetic. It might be to be the only one caring for that someone because you're maybe the only one that knows that someone or knows them like you do. This is your chance. This is your opportunity today to refocus on the proper motivation to stay driven on this mission. I don't want to live the Christian life ending up in all the wrong places for all the wrong reasons. I want to get my motivation where it needs to be. It'll make all the difference in the world for you and for your kids your grandkids, for your church. What a wonderful thing if Fellowship Baptist Church continued to be a sending church, sending out not just the Morcoms, not just the Housers, but on and on, other families, other individuals, going local, going international, going nationwide, whatever ministry God is calling them to do. What a wonderful thing if, if you, not just wanting to be sent out as a missionary, would, would, would take the call to be sent locally, to the mission, to the work, to the go team, to whatever ministry comes up. You'd say, that's my thing. I'm going to dedicate myself to that. I'm going to go with the proper motivation. I'm going to see the right results. I'm going to see God make huge changes, and I'm going to see growth in my life. I'm going to see him do great and mighty things. I'm going to expect great things from God, and then I'm going to attempt great things for God, as William Carey said. What a beautiful life, what a wonderful journey is as we look to Christ, our motivation.